we're going through a series on Proverbs, and um, what we're doing is going, we're going through the book thematically. So there are certain themes that sort of rise to the surface as you go through the book, and we're just looking at ways uh, Proverbs can teach us, can instruct us the ways of wisdom as we engage different things in our lives, be it wealth, uh, last week, relationships, broken relationships, how we use our words with one another. Uh, this morning, we're looking at friendship. And uh, I think it would be safe to say that all of us in here has, at one time or another, had a close friend. Maybe it was a childhood friend. I mean, just think of, like, who was it in your childhood who you would have considered a, a good friend? Um, someone who you enjoyed just playing outside with, playing the same toys or same games. Maybe that friend, though, didn't come until later in life. Maybe you were more as an adult, um, uh, and it could have been work, college, the military, any number of things that kind of brought you together. Or even still, maybe it was a hardship that you faced uh, in your life that really br- forged a close uh, friendship with, with another person. All this to say, um, we're approaching this topic of friendship with experiences, and I would even suggest that so many experiences that we might even be thinking or seeing ourselves as a little bit of experts when it comes to friend, friendship. We know what works. We know what doesn't. We know the best ways to, to make them or find them and evaluate them. And we're kind of approaching this topic of friendship not from ground zero. We kind of have a, a context for it already. So I think it's going to be challenging as I was challenged this week, to just for a few moments take our understandings of friendship, kind of lay them to the side, and really come to Scripture and, and, and receive and listen to what the Proverbs have to say about friendship. Because it's a little bit different than our natural thoughts of what it means to be a friend. There are tons of overlaps, but Proverbs takes it one notch a little further. So um, that's a little bit of an, of an overview of where we're going to go. Let me uh, read the certain passages from Proverbs that we'll be looking at. I'll then pray for us once more, and then we'll get going. So if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. And then lastly, most probably well-known, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Let's pray. The Father, we, we need your help uh, by your Spirit as we now feed on your word. Can't do it on our own. Uh, If we do, we'll just make an absolute mess of it. So by your spirit, please be with us. Open our our minds and our hearts to receive what it is you have to say. And then by that same spirit, apply these truths to our lives, all for your glory and our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. I want to begin with a quick overview of the, the state of friendships in the United States or the condition of friendships in the U.S. right now. And these statistics, I think, will be a little startling to us. First of all, the average number of, of close friends that the typical American adult has today 
is down a third from where it was a generation ago. So if, for example, in the 1980s, if you had 10 friends, today uh, that person would have 6.67 friends. It's down a third. Uh, there's a decrease there. Another uh, statistic, 44% of Americans reported in the survey that they had no more than one or at the most two close friends today. How we define close, of course, varies, especially between men and women. Um, but nevertheless, 44% of Americans saying they really only have one to two close friends. And then the last uh, statistic for us, 25% of Americans reported that they don't have a close friend at all. 25%. And that number is up 150% in just one generation. So the trend uh, is, is showing that we are becoming a little more isolated as a culture. Now, if you're like me, you may be right now going through an inventory in your mind. Like, okay, where am I on, on this spectrum? How many friends do I have? Is this person a good friend or that person never called me back? Not a good friend. Like, wherever <laughs> you are. Or you might be trying to jump to some sort of explanation for this. Why is this the case uh, in, in the U.S.? Well, it's our phones and social media, and we're more concerned about Facebook friends than actual friends, you know, and all, all this. I, I think the caution for us, and what I want to caution you, is to not go f- too far down those roads too quickly. Because what good would it do us if we start trying to address this epidemic of isolation or loneliness that we have in the U.S.? What, if, what, what good would it do us if we tried to start addressing all that if we're still operating out of an incomplete, uh, at the very least, unbiblical definition of friendship? So what I'm suggesting here is let's really try to hone in on what does the Bible say about friendship, what it's supposed to look like, and then we can go down this road of uh, how, how, what, what's our response to this and how can we as a nation perhaps become more friendly? Does that make any sense? Well, so I just want to focus in on what, what does the Bible say about it. Um, so what I want to do, just again as an overview of what we're going, to, we're going to be talking about, I want to first start with a few minutes of talking about what are our common understandings of friendship? What are our definitions of what it, makes, what it means to be a good friend? Let's just talk about it a little bit. And then, and then look to what the Proverbs have to say. And to get us started, I want to show you a clip of one of, I think, the greatest philosophers and cultural commentators of the late 20th and early 21st centuries, as he uh, explains a little bit about what it means to make friends, just to kind of get us started. So let's, let's take a look. When you're in your 30s, it's very hard to make a new friend. But whatever the group is that you've got now, that's who you're going with. You're not interviewing, you're not looking at any new people, you're not interested in any, seeing any applications. They don't know the places, they don't know the foods, they don't know the activities. If I meet a guy in a club or a gym or something, hey, look, I'm sure you're a very nice person, you seem to have a lot of potential. We're just not hiring right now. Of course, when you're a kid, you can be friends with anybody. You remember when you were a little kid, what are the qualifications? If someone's in front of my house now, that's my friend. They're my friend. That's it. Are you grown up? No? Great. Come on in. Let's jump up and down on my bed. And if you have anything in common at all, you like cherry soda, I like cherry soda. We'll be best friends. (laughs) 
As a kid, it is, it is almost effortless to make a friend, right? I, I've got two young daughters, and I ask them, you know, how was your day? My day was good. Why was your day good? Well, I made a friend. What's your friend's name? I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't matter. What's your problem? We both like Legos. Like, well, that's, that's it. We take that idea, and then, and then we become adults, and, and honestly, some of that still sticks, right? We, we kind of get set in our ways. Um, we know what we like, the foods, the activities, the stuff that we like to do together. And, and if, by chance, there is someone else who may become a friend, it, it's a little tough. Uh, like, okay, how are you going to fit in this little box of how, how, how I'm defining friendships? Uh, I know some folks, uh, some, some guys uh, in, 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 in this body who do this crazy thing that they have perfectly good beds at home and yet, from time to time, like once a year, twice a year, they go sleep outside in the woods. This is a bizarre thing to me. Um, perfectly good bed at home, and yet they're like, let's go sleep in the woods. I'm like, um, and it has formed a little bit of a barrier in kind of fostering a friendship. Because one of the main things we, uh, we value of our friendships is, well, what do we have in common? What sort of uh, interest can we share that we then can build a friendship upon? So I guess the first thing to say is uh, when we consider friendships, like Seinfeld is saying, um, the first one of the first things we think about is, okay, what do we have in common? And there's just some basic uh, common sense to that. It is easier to make friends if you share common interests. But a second thing that I think marks our understanding of friendships is uh, um, having a friend sit with us cry with us, uh, lift us up when we're going through a difficult time. And that, that again, is, is, is sort of a mark of a friendship. I'm going through a tough time. Uh, please just come sit with me. And um, I think we can all, if we just stop, think of those times, uh, that, that, that person um, perhaps we would call and just say, man, I just, I just, need, a, I just need you to come over and, and talk. Or can I come over to your place and just, I, I, need, to, I need to get some stuff out. Um, in scripture, we see, I think, a beautiful picture of, of this sort of friendship of going through a difficult time with uh, David and Jonathan. I don't know if you know this Old Testament story, but this uh, beautiful friendship between these two men. Um, David is, is fleeing for his life, and Jonathan, um, who, by the way, is the son of the guy trying to kill David, um, but nevertheless, they become very, very close friends. A companion who's there hiding in the caves with him, um, uh, uh, supporting him through this very, very difficult time. Um, so someone to hang out with, do stuff with, also someone there to lift you up when you're going through a, a tough time. But the third thing I want to mention about f- sort of our common experiences with friends is this, is sort of a negative one, which sometimes friends can let us down. Uh, I think that's another kind of, when we're talking about friendship and we're approaching this topic, I think a lot of us bear some scars of friends that we have, who have had who have uh, let us down. I think going to scripture again, we can see this with, with Jesus going through um, uh, just an immeasurable dark time praying in the garden and he asks his friends to do what? Just stay up with him. You know, I'm going to pray. I'm going through this uh, dark, dark time. Um, please stay, uh, stay awake with me. And what do they do? They fall asleep and they completely abandon him. So... Again, when we're thinking about friendship, we're approaching this topic with, with a lot of different stories going on in our heads. And um, it, let's, let's take these and let's not 
discard them, but let's just kind of set them here and, and then turn to Proverbs and then, and then see how we can flesh some of that stuff out a little bit. Does it make sense? I want to, I want to take the richness of Proverbs and, and take what it presents to us and then kind of add to what we already understand about friendship. So let's look at the first uh, couple of verses here in chapter 15. Verses 31 and 32, I realize the word friend isn't mentioned, but the sentiment of these two verses definitely goes along with what Proverbs uh, else has to say about, um, about friendship. But so listen to this. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The key word in both of those verses is the word listen. If we're going to be involved in a biblical friendship, a a, a friendship defined by scripture, we have to be able to uh, listen to what our friend has to say. Specifically, when they say what? Or when they give what? Reproof. This isn't a word we use a whole lot these days. What does reproof mean? The, The word underneath that can mean correction, um, so the ear that listens to life giving correction, uh, a reprimand, rebuke, or contradiction. So someone who contradicts you. Uh, and what is the purpose of this correction or rebuke? From verse 31, what is the purpose of giving this reproof? It is to do what? Give life. It's life giving. We fear that it will bring death because it hurts When we are corrected, when there is a rebuke, uh, uh, a a contradiction, a reprimand, we are afraid that it will only bring death, but in fact it brings life. Furthermore, the one who listens to this life-giving correction will do what? Will be, will dwell among the wise. You gain wisdom. Again, we're in Proverbs, so we're, we're all about wisdom. We'll gain wisdom if we listen to the correction of others. My mind immediately goes to this guy named Nathan White. And some of you may know him. He and his wife, Brandy, helped out with the youth for here for years. More recently, though, he and I served as elders at Grace Blue Ridge in Hendersonville. And I consider him to be my friend in this biblical sense that we're talking about because he contradicted me, he corrected me, rebuked me many times. In fact, when I started early in the week, when I started uh, planning out this message, um, I, I just immediately thought of him. And I actually called him halfway during the week. And I was like, hey, man, just to let you know, uh, you're going to be mentioned quite a bit on Sunday. Because <laughs> remember those days? Uh, and ongoing. And, and he, he laughed. And, and, and honestly, it was just a wonderful time. And we concluded by just telling each other that we love each other. And because he was this guy who would uh, contradict me. For example, um, I, when we first met, I had, I had been living out of this um, uh, identity of, of, of seeing myself as an educator. That my job at Westernerson High School was all of me. Like, that was it. And he was the one, and I didn't see that. Uh, he, he's the one who started to chip away at that. And when you are defined by something and someone starts to contradict that, it hurts. 
and some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's not like a ha ha ha. I mean, it, it was to my core, but he saw that God was wanting something for me and from me that was far greater than this uh, little nerf, comfy, Ben-centered life that I was living out of. And so I will say that the fact that I'm standing here before you as uh, your assistant pastor has so much to do with that guy back in 2012 through 2015 um, chipping away at me um, and leading me into something um, grander um, than, than uh, what I had been seeing for myself. And that's not a knock about teaching high school. This kind of sounds like I'm knocking. I'm just saying like God had something other in store uh, for me. We need people, friends in our lives to point out our blind spots. I just wasn't seeing that. Uh, the sin of creating an identity out of something other than Christ, I needed him to, to point that out. Let's move on. Uh, chapter 27, verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. This is sort of a, a strange couplet here. When we think about biblical friendship, we need to understand that friendship here is devi- defined by someone who's not afraid to get into your mess to call you out on your mess, to earnestly, uh, like we see in 27 verse 9, to earnestly contradict you instead of constantly, simply affirming you. Let me just stop for a second. Most of what we've said so far about friendship is, again, who we like to hang out with, who we enjoy spending time with, um, that person who will be with us during a a difficult time. Um, So far, everything I've said, I don't know if you've picked up on this theme, but so far, the Proverbs are telling us, well, if we want to really understand biblical friendship, it's, it's going to be that friend who starts to contradict, okay? So again, that's going to be this ongoing theme. Earnestly uh, speaking into your life. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Patrick preached on this last week, if you remember this. Uh, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. This is about flattery. And, and, and we just need to stop and think, if we are just surrounding ourselves by people who flatter us um, and affirm us constantly, uh, we're not benefiting from that and neither are they. Uh, we need people in our lives who love us enough to wound us. Uh, 27 verse 6, if we can go back to that one. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Not harm us. Not harm us but wound us. There is a huge difference between those two words. The wounds of a friend show their faithfulness to us. If we are out to harm people, we just want to tear them down. But in this sense, uh, if we are engaged with, uh, the, the, on the friendship level, our wounding is meant to lift them up. And I know this analogy is used a lot from surgery, but sometimes surgeons have to cut in order to heal, right? And that's sort of the the thinking here when we're involved in a friendship of this manner. Sometimes there has to be a wound in order for there to be long-term healing. Or another example, uh, if you're doing a renovation job at a construction site, I know C.S. Lewis loves this one. Sometimes if you're going to do a renovation in a house, you've got to tear down some walls. It's going to get messy. You've got to rip off the roof. You've got to tear up the carpet or whatever. It's messy. Uh, but in the end, it, it is, it is um, for good. Um, 
One final proverb I want to uh, mention here uh, is 27.17. And it's probably the most well-known or most quoted, maybe even of all the proverbs. Iron sharpens iron, um, just as one person sharpens another. This is a fascinating one, and we could, we could honestly just spend the entire time on this one and what it means and what it doesn't mean. Iron sharpening iron. What, what is the writer of this proverb saying? Well, it's this. There is a mutual sharpening between friends when they enter into the kind of friendship that we're talking about. This is the guard against having that person in your life who only gives instruction to you but, isn't, but is unable to receive correction. And that's something else to consider as someone is speaking into your life, not to like tit for tat, oh, you're going to tell me that? Well, I'm going to... No, no. But just to be aware that if, if someone is constantly going around correcting others but is unable to receive uh, correction themselves, that, that, that's an issue. That's not what we're talking about here in terms of biblical friendship. Iron sharpens iron. The sharpening occurs in both ways. Um, but what does it mean to sharpen? Let's, let's talk about that. What does it look like to sharpen another person? Um, well, let's, let's define this metaphor with another metaphor. If, if, I'm, if I'm chopping vegetables, um, I prefer to use a sharp knife. What do they say? Like dull knives is the most, one of the most dangerous things you can use in the kitchen because you're pressing down too hard to cut the vegetables or something and you could slip and really, really hurt. The sharp tool, the sharp knife, uh, decreases the chances of accidents, is more effective at getting the job done. But the main thing is that it more, I don't want to use the word effectively again, but um, I'll just do it, more effectively accomplishes the thing that it was made to do. It more effectively accomplishes that thing that it was made to do. So when we take that and apply it to a human being, if we sharpen each other, what are we doing? We're helping each other to live out the calling that God has for us, namely living a life that honors him, living a life that glorifies him, living a life that says, you know what? I'm not the king of my life. He's the king of my life. And all the multitude of things that goes along with that. Nathan was sharpening me. He was helping me to live the life uh, uh, more fully that God was calling for me, and I was doing the same thing to him. And if he was up on stage, he could, he could give his account of how I sharpened him. It was this mutual um, edifying, edification that would take, take place in that friendship. Just a quick comment, though. When you're picture this when iron is sharpening iron just picture that sparks fly don't they usually maybe or it'll heat up the the um something else i've learned recently is not all conflict is bad right this is talking about healthy conflict um where you're able to speak in and again with nathan man sometimes sparks would fly but again it was all done in love uh to build each other up um, not all conflict is bad. So an element, in other words, an element of biblical friendship is healthy conflict. All right, if I were to now, like, let's pray and let's conclude and kind of send you on your way, it's kind of heavy. Do y'all feel that? It's kind of heavy. We started out with Seinfeld and joking, and now it's like, oh, now I've got to, like, 
have someone like uh, speak into me and I speak into them and it's, it's kind of heavy. I think what we need to do is, to, is go one step beneath it and ask the question of motivation. What is the motivation? What is the driving force or desire of even entering into a relationship like this? Because honestly, the way I've described it doesn't sound too appealing. I prefer to have, to have a friendship where all we do is, is make sarcastic comments at commercials um, or do just do fun stuff. Um, this sort of stuff that I'm talking about, there needs to be something deeper going on that is the, the, the driving force behind it. And so that, of course, is where uh, we, need, we need to get to the gospel. Uh, before we get to the gospel, let me, though, kind of give you the anti-gospel to this. And, um, and, I, and I, I'll just say it. Uh, Emerson has this quote about friendship. And maybe you know it. It's a pretty famous one. But he says, if you want to be a friend, or if you want friends, what do you have to do? Be a friend. If you want friends, be a friend. And it's cute and it's quippy and, and that, that's okay but um, that would work for a time I guess but in the end I still think that is self-focused um, and it will sort of uh, uh, devour itself um, because it's what I'm wanting the gospel is um, other focused it is desiring this sort of friendship for the other and what's beautiful about the gospel is that as you are other focused you actually get fed. It's, it's one of those beautiful gospel paradoxes. As you are doing something that you don't think will be the thing to feed you, you are in, act, in, in actuality being fed. So that might be confusing. So let's kind of go to uh, some more specifics here. Um, it is through the gospel that we come to know and experience the friendship that Jesus has for us. Jesus calls us his friend. And I'm not just saying that because it sounds flowery or whatever. I'm saying that because in John 15, that's what he says. So just listen to, um, I don't have a slide for this, so just listen to this uh, as I read from John 15, just a few uh, verses. Uh, Jesus is echoing this proverb about iron sharpening iron or this correcting when he talks about Jesus himself being the vine. We are the branches, but who is God the Father? He is the vine dresser. He is the one who is coming through with clippers and pruning the branches. All those things that are not glorifying him in the way they ought, he's coming through sanctifying us. That's the, the fancy word. Increasing us in holiness. Iron sharp, sharpens iron. Obviously, that door doesn't swing both ways. We're the ones who are being pruned. Um, but he's saying that the branches that bear fruit are pruned so that they may bear more fruit. There's a sharpening, a honing, a pruning. That's what the Father does to us. That's what he does in our own hearts. But that's also, through his spirit, how he's using friendships to sharpen us, to prune us. Later in John 15, Jesus, this is when he starts talking more specifically about friendship. Verse 12, just listen to this. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends because you know all that my father has told me. I have passed it on to you. A servant doesn't know what's going on, but a friend does. 
Jesus is calling us his friends because he has passed on the plans of the Father. Jesus is calling us his friends and in love, verse 13, he laid down his life for us to save us from our sins. His love for us shown by his friendship is marked in two different ways. It's sacrificial and it's other focused. So when we talk about biblical friendship in light of the gospel, it must be sacrificial because Jesus is commanding us to love others in the way that we have been loved. He sacrificed for us. We love sacrificially and we also love and befriend others as being other centered. Emerson again is saying, if you want a friend, be a friend. That's very self-focused. The gospel says, be a friend because you have been befriended. Be a friend because Jesus has called you his friend. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He's telling us that we, as we move beyond ourselves to love others, to befriend others, we do it in the manner in which he loved us. Again, I can't say it enough, sacrificial, other focused. And just as we are pruned by our father uh, through the spirit, that same spirit is working through others as we are pruned, but then also through the spirit, we are able to, in love, speak into uh, others' lives. This is that mutual sharpening that I was talking about, and this is the essence of biblical friendship. That was a lot. But you see how it, it takes our working definition of friendship and just expands upon it. It's more than just someone to hang out with. If you're able to actually dive into and get to that level, we are actually sharpening one another and doing it in the manner in which Jesus sharpens you, sacrificially other-focused, uh, some beautiful growth, spiritual growth uh, takes place. Now, to conclude, I know I'm kind of going long, so let's, let's conclude this. Let's do some reflection. <laughs> How are we doing? Concerning biblical friendships, how are we doing? Could we stand to be a little more mindful of the way we relate to each other's uh, to uh, each other as friends? Probably, uh, I, I think. I think there's, there's a healthy conviction going on here, um, especially us men. Gosh, we're terrible at this. Um, uh, the statistics are even worse for men in terms of, uh, of friendship. So I guess this could be a shameless plug for July fourteenth. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a men's cookout July 14th. More information in your bulletin and online. Uh, just saying that. But let's, let's, do, let's ask, like, where, where could there be some growth? And there's no shame in this. Where could we grow in this? Uh, do we only affirm or flatter other people? Or do we, contradict, do we contradict them for their good so that may, they may grow in their love of Jesus? Uh, another question, how do we respond when a friend offers us correction? If we get super defensive, there's an element of the gospel we're not believing. We're still living out of this self-constructed identity instead of the identity that Christ offers. Uh, and, being, and being defensive at correction is one of those classic uh, markers of that. If you're sitting out there and you're listening to all I've been saying and you're like, man, I can't think of a single person in my life that I relate to in this way. First, you're not alone. And secondly, and this is actually for all of us, and this is, this is where I want to conclude. I think where we must start 
is meditating on the radical, um, even offensive truth that Jesus calls us his friend. In relation to all other religions, uh, philosophies, whatever, the fact that God calls us a friend in this sense that we're talking about is scandalous. And may we meditate on that and, and just see that his, the, way, the, the nature in which he calls us his friend is more than just an example of how we then befriend others. It's the power behind befriending others. Again, the order of that is so important. We befriend others in response to the way he has befriended us in that sacrificial, other-focused, other-centered um, manner. So let's not put the cart before the horse or whatever and say, okay, now I've got to make friends. No, let's, let's, let's focus on the way that you have been shown friendship by Jesus and just naturally this other friendship that I'm talking about flows out of it. For it's in knowing who you are as a child of God, knowing that your eternity is secure in Christ, knowing that the spirit of God dwells within you, knowing that, then you can begin to take those small steps outside of yourself and enter the larger community of God so that you can be pruned, so that you can be his instrument to prune others, but also that you may thrive as you live out the calling that God has for your life. Let's pray. Jesus, this is a lot. A topic of friendship that, again, we're approaching with uh, so much knowledge and experience, uh, and yet going to Scripture, we find out that, that your definition of friendship far surpasses, as it always does, surpasses our definitions. Um, I pray that this is an encouragement, uh, not a, a, a burden, but an encouragement, an idea or an ideal of what you have called for us, not in some sort of slavish manner or um, 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 like power-centered uh, manner, but other-centered uh, sacrificially and service to, to one another so that in the end you receive all the glory for this. Um, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.